0: Welcome back to the Couple Ball Podcast, where we look at all things fans and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka you your Doubting Thomas for this evening. Uh, Merry Easter to, to one and all. Um, alongside me is a man uh, who, if you rolled the stone away and found him lurking behind, you'd probably swiftly roll it back. It's Jules. <laughs>
1: Ouch. <laughs> How's your Easter weekend <laughs> been, mate? Oh, it's very
0: nice. Thank you. Uh, and also with us is a man who celebrated rebirth and spring by buying a new rabbit. Stop sniggering at the back there. It's Jim.
2: <laughs> Evening. You right. right?
0: <laughs> I'm all right. Uh, Ash isn't with us today. Uh, he said he was busy, uh, but I did see him on the Tottenham High Road earlier with two planks of wood muttering something about uh, someone's name. He was beginning to see J and might get crucified, but we'll see what comes of that. Anyway, let's have it. We've got to talk about Newcastle away. That's why we're here. It ended in a Desmond, an ecstatic two-all. Uh, before ball was even kicked, Jules, uh, the crowd shouted to pilot and to free Vinicius, and the people got their wish.
1: Yeah, he got he got his second start in a row. Um, didn't do much with it and was subbed off pretty promptly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's what you'd say is a successful lineup choice. Um, what did you make of no, no Toby and no Dyer in the lineup uh, again? Yeah,
0: it was an interesting so- choice considering that um, Jose said after the game, and I know we'll come on to Jose's post match comments later, um, but he said after the game that Toby wasn't available in time. He, he didn't get back in time to train, to pass his COVID test, whatever. Said he have. He, he, he didn't come back until Thursday, but training pictures showed him training on Wednesday. Uh, which I don't, I don't fully understand what, what's gone on there. Uh, so time will tell, but it is probably the most inexperienced back four we could have played uh, to some extent. You know, the average age was ridiculously young and I think that, that showed.
2: It, it just reads partly like a Jose Mourinho power play. He's either deliberately choosing weaker players or players that he wouldn't expect to be in the starting 11 in order to make a point about his senior players. Or, if you want to give him credit for being slightly more Machiavellian and a bit devious, which we, we know he can be, he's getting his excuses in early by picking a team that he knows will make mistakes, um, which I know we'll get onto with with his comments afterwards about the player's ability and, and what have you. But it just feels... Um, I don't know whether spiteful is the word, but it feels like an act of cutting your nose off to spite your face, I suppose, Um if your best players are available, play your best players. And if they're not, just explain why. I think all this kind of cloak and daggers, I prefer not to speak bullshit because that's what it is. <laughs> just kind of, you know, it's funny for a while, but in the end, you're like, mate, you've been doing this for seven years now. Like he did it at Chelsea, he did it at United, he's doing it at Spurs. He's just like, just come out and say what you want to say or shut the fuck up. Uh, I'm, I'm really just—I don't even support Spurs, and I'm just bored of it.
1: In, in case the listeners need to need this pointing out to them, Stockport had a very boring nil-nil this evening, and Jim is is in an unhappy
2: place. <laughs> it, it's a good time for me to say what I want to say, without the need for filter.
0: Yeah, I don't really disagree with that. I think he's been—he's tried to play some games with all he's available. He's not. It looks like he was. You've been caught out, and I. Don't know. You can tell he, he sort of come through in the, the emergence of social media days when nothing nothing gets missed now. Everything mm. gets picked up by someone and all of a sudden it goes viral and everyone sees it. So you, you can't hide anymore and he's not always aware of what's on the club's social media channels, which you know I don't blame him for. But at the same time, if you're going to tell a little white lie to avoid answering certain questions, maybe check that you can actually get <laughs> aware of this lie before you say it.
1: I like the idea of the press officer sat there next to him, just being aware that he's just fucked it well, off camera. There is a marketing director somewhere. And you know that, you know, that gif of like Dr. Cox from scrubs, like headbutting the, <laughs> like the plant. He's there somewhere fuming. Um, let's get back to the topic at hand. I mean, we, we had a, a, a dodgy weird lineup and it was all a bit odd heading into it. Um, And we proceeded to play like a bunch of strangers who are definitely not first choice and are definitely not tactically cohesive uh, together. Um, How did you find the experience then? Were you um, sort of drilling into your own hand at the same time to try and distract yourself (laughs) from (laughs) what was on screen?
0: I am just numb. (laughs) So (laughs) you just sit there in silence. I'm just tired of it, Jules. I'm just... What's the point? You know, I mean, because we have sit here and we have the same conversation. What it feels like every other week against the team we should be. We know that the, the sum of our parts should be better than these teams. Newcastle are one of the probably, yeah, they are one of the worst teams in the league. Um, They're shocking.
1: Let's let's, yeah. let's let's let's
0: Let's not get over it. I was this... trying to be a little bit polite because I
2: feel like I like their spirit, but. Um, that's got nothing
0: to do with their football. I
2: think what you're saying is that Newcastle are absolutely cabbage.
1: Yes. Yes. At the end of the day, a team had one of their most prolific ever days at the office against us, who refused to attack West Brom and had up front Dwight Gale and Joe Linton.
0: What does Joe Linton only score against us? (laughs) He he scored (laughs) two goals in four games against Spurs, and a I'm not convinced he scored in against. In his other 50 he's, odd appearances, I don't think he'd scored against anyone else.
1: He's got he's got two and 64 versus the rest of the league, and two and four versus us. If that's <laughs> if that is not the spursiest of records for <laughs> a player to hold, I don't know what is. For
2: fuck's <laughs> sake. Well, and yet- in in the spirit of not, I was just not saying the same things over and over again like we have done most of this season. Um. I'll do a little thought experiment. It's, it's not a trick, but if this, if this result had happened in a slightly different way, let's say everything else was exactly the same, uh, but Joe Willock had hit the bar and it had finished 2-1 Spurs. Fan, how do you think you would have felt about this game?
0: I mean, I probably wouldn't be as raw. I'll give you that, but I think we'd have to be gracious enough to hold our hands up and say, well, we got away with that, that, that shouldn't have happened, you know, by the same measure that if Kane had not hit the post and it scored when he when he had that chance when we were three on one, I think, and still managed to not score. Um we yeah, we'd definitely be having a slightly different conversation, but I think I would be manimous enough to say, Well, we're we're still papering over cracks here. Mm-hmm. This this is th- there is still a rot going on. I think I it might have been Ash it the, the other week, pulled me up on using the word rot, but you
2: no, know, I stand by it. I, feel, I think that is what is going on here. It's an interesting discussion point, isn't it? Because when you have kind of insipid performances, but you get the result, you, you kind of just roll with the punches and go that 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 was okay because we got the win. And I was thinking about it earlier, and I think this is kind of, in a way, the consequence of the way that. Jose Mourinho, as a coach that has won a lot of trophies, thinks about the game, that if you have a game plan, it doesn't really matter how you perform as long as you get the result. Whereas what I'm noticing more and more is even if the results are there, the issue is is just actually about the performance and about the manner of the way you play. And the result is kind of, obviously you're pissed off at dropping points, but the result is Kind of secondary to how you feel about. It is
1: it is genuinely cool. secondary. I don't. I would not have felt like I. Should, I wouldn't have felt happy about Tottenham this week if we'd
2: won two one. And if we had. And that's the most. That's know. the most important thing, isn't it? That's. That's kind of more important mm. than being a bit pissed off about dropping points. And well, I we think... talked
0: about it in the big games that we've lost this season. That mm. they don't hurt because we've lost. They've hurt because we didn't. Put everything out there on the pitch, Mm. Um, and when you're playing that way with restrictions, someone said it on a. I saw it on Twitter that they described Tottenham as being paralysed by fear, and I thought that was a a fantastic way of putting it. That if we're playing like that, if we're playing hindered with you know almost like we're running around with our hands tied together behind our backs, it's we it's just not going to breed good results long
1: term. And I also think it's worth remembering that so we are what between sort of fifth and eighth is basically where we're oscillating at the moment mm. we were in that range over the last decade 12 years whatever under harry redknapp martin Yole, and avb all of whom i enjoyed and it was fun to watch and yeah sometimes we got slapped and Other days we played some attacking football and that was like, well, that's the nature of being an upper mid-table team is days when you get to have fun and days when others get to bend you over. I just don't enjoy
2: any week of watching this team now. Do you think then, because we all know that football supporters are fickle, if you win the League Cup, that will be seen as a vindication of putting results ahead of um, performances or at least putting the pursuit of silverware ahead of the means of actually winning them. But if it was me, I appreciate I'm a, a neutral observer and therefore I, I won't get any joy out of Spurs winning the League Cup in the way that one of you two might. But do you think you would think differently about it or would would you then think, well, actually, yeah, we've won silverware, but it's not been enjoyable, so I'd, I'd still rather go back to, to the old way? And if so, does that kind of suggest that silverware isn't important?
1: I would still hate the way that we play and want the manager out, even if we won the League Cup, because yeah. I, d- I don't enjoy watching my team play football. And I've always said, I, I think it's a really binary way to look at the the value that you get out of enjoying a club. Like speak to any athletic Bilbao fan in Spain or El Sociedad fan in Spain. Like, I don't think they're like, oh, well I don't enjoy football because we haven't won a trophy in 34 years. They're still huge in their community. They're still a passionate bloodline for families in the area like you can still be these things it's it's not you know the case um we're also going to be slapped quite badly in the league up final so we kind of know it's like no it's like it's like having a scheduled a scheduled slap like incoming yeah. and it's on my birthday so I just oh. know on my birthday I'm gonna get content which is really basic. <laughs> I I think I'm just going to put a couple of, sort of stats out there. I know Jim, we were laughing about it afterwards, um, but but we need to kind of put into context how bad we are, right? And Son is the best way to do It's actually to I'm not. It's not going to be a stat about us. It's going to be a stat about our opposition. Steve Bruce has managed uh, Newcastle in the Premier League <laughs> for two years now, <laughs> and they have been whipping dogs slash known as like maybe the most unadventurous style of football i guess this match was the match in which they had both the most shots from in the box in any match under steve bruce and the highest xg they've had for five years in a single match you could talk all you want about like oh if it's an off day or not newcastle found it easier to attack against us yesterday than against any other team in the premier league in the last four years (laughs) Let that sink in
2: about. Where do you think the failure for that lies, Fen? Because it's particularly shots in the box, isn't it? The damning stat was, I think it was was 9%. 9% of of Newcastle's shots this season in the area happened in that game. (laughs) It's mad. Um, If I don't laugh, I'll cry. I mean, that's it. (laughs) You know, this it's obviously a ridiculous start and you've got to, you've got to laugh about it. But it kind of suggests the question to ask is why are they in the Why are they in Spurs' box so often and in a position to shoot?
0: I don't understand what's gone wrong because the system that we play hasn't actually massively changed much this season, apart from his brief experiment with free at the back, which was a you know too many cooks for the broth kind of thing. Uh, it didn't didn't really work. It worked against Sheffield United. Well, that's not a good yardstick. Um, yeah. But against what is probably our youngest back four that we could potentially realistically play, you could see the naivety was there. I thought I thought Rodon was all right, but I thought between Sanchez and Tenganga they were they were being moved about all over the place and positionally, they, they weren't fantastic. Reguiland had the strangest of games I've seen him probably have in his first year. I don't, I, that's the worst I think I've seen him play, um, which is a shame because we know, we know what he can do. But he was uh, being absolutely dusted by, oh, let me just check my notes, Jacob Murphy. No one <laughs> knew Jacob Murphy had that in his locker. And he was just tearing it <laughs> least Reguiland of all apart. Jacob
2: Murphy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hon- honestly, though, when, when Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie are giving your fullbacks a torrid afternoon. You've really got to worry about your fullbacks. Obviously, we dreamed
0: about the Soybière and Dombele, uh GLC, Chelsea, trio in midfield. It didn't work. I put my neck out there on a podcast. You can go back. You can find it. I said it. No, I didn't think it would work because it's just a little bit too attack minded. There's not enough, not enough protection there. And when you do that, and a team. Commits men forward. And that's all Newcastle really had to do at the end of the day, just commit more people forward than they normally would. And all of a sudden, they were able to create shots from almost anywhere. And you saw that with the first goal. I know we gifted them the ball. It was utterly stupid and naive. But we, we gifted them that goal.
1: These players are being exposed in a really bad way. And I don't think these players, they haven't played this way under previous managers. And they won't play this way. Under future managers, this is just a, a bad mix. It's just not working. You see what's what's happened at United with players who um, Mourinho made look utterly shit and then they come come a bit good again. But I also think when you talk about their lack of protection, I feel like the Mourinho mantra defensively is to kind of run up in front of someone when they've got the ball and just stand there and then they pass it away and you jog on. And you, you, you never actually make a tackle. You just kind of... You just kind of approach and then retreat, and approach and retreat consistently. So I'm not even sure. Like, like we can't say that was a midfield trio which actually played as a midfield three because Nelsa was playing right wing. He's not a right winger. He's never played wide mm. in his career. He's either been a ten or a deeper midfielder.
2: A lot of these are his players though. Um, that back <laughs> four, right? Tanganga, I'm pretty sure Jose gave him his debut, didn't he? Rodon is a Jose signing. rekion there's three quarters of your back four. These are Jose Mourinho signings. Like that, it, it comes back to that thing we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? You've got the, the combination of players that probably aren't quite up to the job and a coach that isn't getting the best out of them. But well, don't you, don't you have to question the recruitment as well, like higher up the club.
1: What stood out to me, and I read it after the game. We're going to have to come to it, which is Mourinho's quotes after the match. Now I think this is the the moment to to take it on um a year ago Mourinho said when he took the job direct quote the best gifts are the players who are here I don't need new players I just need to get to know these ones better He signed nine players since that day of his choice to yesterday when asked why his team couldn't hold on to the lead he said direct quote same coach different players Make up your fucking mind. Either you say that they're not the right players, or what you'll say you're you're, you're backtracking. He was perfectly. He used to say that he loved Derek Dyer. He tried to sign him at United, and that he loved Delhi, and he always wanted Ben Davies, and he said Harry Kane was a dream. This, and you know that he always wanted Toby, and he wanted you know this group of players. He got them. He's now being exposed, despite the fact that he's spent quite a lot of money on very much his kind of players. And now he's chucking these players under the bus. And then we wonder why maybe they're not really playing for him anymore.
2: The bus that he's already parked. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) um, Well, I know I've said this before, so I'll be brief. But let's just follow that argument to its logical conclusion. It is, it is not my fault that we're not performing. It's the fault of my players. Therefore, if I had better players, I would be doing a better job. Does that not suggest that throughout his career at uh, Chelsea-Porto-Inter, where he had success, the success was due to him having good players and not because of him? And now that he's been at a United side that was the worst it's been in a generation, and a Spurs side that doesn't have the resource of the clubs he's normally at, he's being exposed as just actually not a very good coach. And therefore... Why are you paying this guy £15 million a year? Well, it was always a gamble, would not it? And
0: something did need to change. Uh, Ultimately, the decision was made to change the manager and Jose was available. Probably the most available manager and his track record did speak for itself to some extent. I can see why the gamble was made. And I was willing to go there to find out what would happen. In, it's very easy to say a lot of these toxicity things about Jose in hindsight, because of where we're at now. But bearing in mind, towards even at the start of the season, we looked at the squad we had, and we thought, oh well, we've actually got depth for once. And you look at the you know six-one at Old Trafford and finding ways to beat uh, City, and there were big results that. Like, we weren't having the same conversations then. He has somehow lost. His trust with the players, and it's it's a two way thing. But for some reason, there's been a, some sort of communication breakdown between him and them. Regardless of the recruitment, I think if you're a good enough coach, you can come in and you can connect with players, and you can do a job because on a pure professionalism point, that's what you're there to do, and that's what players are there to do. It's just it's just strange. <laughs> I, I really don't get it.
2: It's a good time. It's a good job it's Easter, isn't it? Because Spurs need more than a resurrection to... Uh, <laughs> <share it again. laughs>
1: we need to crawl crawl out the cave. There's um, definitely
0: some sort of crucifixion going
1: on. But what, what annoys um, me more
0: is, um, obviously, we conceded that goal to Newcastle, the first one, fair game. They deserved it. And then after that, we started playing. Like, hang on. Did you mean you could do this for the fucking <laughs> first half an hour? And you just didn't. Because then we scored what two goals in four minutes. And all right, Kane's first goal was a bit fortuitous, but obviously he's what class. He's in the right place at the right time. It's not by accident. Second goal, top class finish. Uh, really put pace on a border. I don't know. How it Does it? It's got a foot like a traction engine. But what, <laughs> why do we wait to score? Wait until the opposition score before we start playing like that. Like if you were walking to a bus stop and you saw your bus coming. You wouldn't start running for said bus as the bus pulls away (laughs) and then rely on having to chase said bus in the hope that you might catch it up,
1: Fen. <laughs> you clearly have a very boring approach to buses because that's how you have the, that's that's how you get the thrill nowadays. Is you is you wait for the bus <laughs> and then the doors are
2: closing. The, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Jose your school of thought says don't put any diesel in the bus and then you can't even move the thing and it's just parked there. Everything's fine. Nobody needs to chase the bus. Nobody needs to get on the bus. Nobody needs to go on a journey. It's just fine.
0: Okay, he's trying to be uh, new wave. You know, resurrected Jose after he had a sabbatical. He you can see he's tried to to be a bit more progressive, but that doesn't seem to click either. And I just I just don't understand why he's no longer the Messiah, he's just a very naughty
1: boy. When things started to go wrong, he is such a toxic personality to work with that he can't maintain squad camaraderie. When we put out the Twitter request for some thoughts on the episode, um Got an interesting one from uh, at Spurs fan, Mexico. Because um, it's not so much a, a question, I would say, as a, as, as a very angry ramble. Probably much like the stuff <laughs> us today. Um, It says our club has no roots, i.e., the footballing side. If it did, we wouldn't have to rant about transfers, dross players, recruitment, poor calibre of youth coaches, zero data and performance analysis, and more. I mean, I mean, say it. How you, say say how you really feel. Say That's, what you really yeah. think. Yeah, but I. I'm going to say I think he needs to retract the youth setup part of that because I I think the youth setup is apparently meant to be very good according to some qualified people who know about it. But 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 what stands out to you is the way to fix it?
0: What I mean, it needs more than one. That's the thing, and, and that's what obviously places like Twitter can't deal with. They can't deal with multifaceted issues. It's got to be 180 characters or less. Um, I mean, we can talk about Josie and Josie that's that's not really going to be the solution. There's clearly what I keep calling a rot, and I will. Fuck it. I think it's rotten. Uh, <laughs> there's a rot in the squad. There needs to be a high turnover of players, in my opinion. There's a, there's a lot of people who think they almost have some sort of right to play. Uh, it's, it needs to be more merited. and that's what, I think that's why we're seeing people like Rodon and, and Sanchez and Tanganga getting games. So there needs to be quite a high turnover, but in order to do that, the boards need to swallow their pride a bit and go, right, well, we've been very shrewd before, but <laughs> this year of all years, everyone's going to be shrewd because nobody has any money. Mm-hmm. So what how are we going to be, you know, shining light of shrewdness when when everyone else is doing it? So the recruitment needs to be spot on, and that's where the development needs to happen. There needs to be more of a you know people talk about liking a director of football or not but there needs to be a good network there and a, a long-term strategy i could see jim giggling because he hates directors of football i think, um, <laughs> I, think
1: I, th- I think i think uh, i think i think if jim could cull directors of football like i don't know if he, he could well, give him like an air I... rifle and he just and he just hunts around north london
2: I can think of a, one particular director of football that spends millions of pounds in the conference and still manages to fuck up promotion. But anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, no, I, uh, I was smiling because it just made me think of something that could actually a bit of, be a bit of a positive about all of this that you touched on nicely there, I think, Fenn, which is because clubs don't have any money and, and Spurs in particular, I, I know that it's service debt, but the debt at Spurs is huge. We know that. I don't like football projects, in inverted commas, where the idea is, let's just assemble the richest group of men we can to put a load of money into a pot and spend it on the best players we can to try and win some silverware. Because it's kind of, where's the fun in that? Spend money if you've got it, by all means. But you want to be able to see that kind of organic growth. You want to be able to see players coming through your youth team, you know, buying rough diamonds that, that get better year after year after year. Um, and that that inevitably does mean that like you were saying about the Harry Redknapp era you will occasionally get a slap um, but part of the enjoyment like we were talking about before is, is the way that you play the game and the, you can kind of see oh that 17 year old left back we've got is going to be great in five years time with Spurs having a decent academy and the kind of perilous state of football finances as a whole coupled with the fact that this kind of pursuit of silverware by employing Mourinho who's never particularly been known for developing youth players seems to have gone wrong isn't it quite a nice opportunity actually to say well we've got these kind of Oliver Skip type kids who can can maybe give us a different path Um, and that might give Spurs a a point of difference and a bit of excitement in a world where you're never going to compete financially with the likes of City but you have got a good training complex. You've got a great stadium. London is an amazing city to live in. Players will want to come if they know that they can be in an environment where they're going to develop.
0: But only if you build it. They will come if you build it. And... Yeah. Hmm.
2: If the lesson out of this season being a bit of a disaster is that you need to look a bit close to home and go for the organic growth.
1: Can I, can I ask Fenn a question which I think makes this no. point very well? Um <laughs> Would you? Who do you, do you think right now that Arsenal fans are more optimistic than than we are? Possibly. They've but got
0: I... a young, exciting manager. They've got fantastic young players that that have been coming through. They've got rid of a lot of their deadwood. That, that, that is quite exciting for them.
1: They're incredibly optimistic about the likes of Smith Rowe and Saka and Martinelli coming through. Um, Kieran Tierney, people like that. David to do a bit of pride swallowing. Except that they've got to got to get rid of some Deadwood. And I'd say they're they're enjoying their club more right now. And I think that's perfect articulation of Jim's point that maybe this is a moment we have to recognise you've got to fully clear the rot, as you put it, get in someone who's gonna maximise and teach and develop young players, instill a style of play, whatever that be at the club. And give those youth teams a chance to develop. And, you know, we, I'm at my happiest at the moment watching Norwich highlights because I get to see Ollie Skitt <laughs> passing a football.
0: We're, in, we're still in quite a good position. <laughs> it's been such a strange season. We, we're still, you know, if we had won this game, we would have been fourth, blah, blah, blah. All right. Yeah, we don't deserve to be in the top four. Let's be honest, lads. Um, right, it's, but it's weird, isn't we, it? We're not actually in a bad position still, yeah. given everything.
2: It's the theory of relativity, but not that one. Um, <laughs> you know, league, league tables are defined not only by your own before performance but by everybody else's, and I suppose been quite fortunate that everybody else has also chosen to be shite in the same season.
0: So, um, <laughs> long may that continue. Yeah, <laughs>
2: I think in the um, moments after the uh, Newcastle result, where uh, you lot were hiding behind your Stones. Um <laughs> I decided to ask people what their favourite Desmond was. Um and the results are in, and I'm pleased to say that the winner with 50% of the vote is the good old Des Lynham. Oh the 2 No, Lynham. Do you remember do you remember Grandstand?
1: Absolutely not. I've got no idea what you're chatting about oh,
2: right now. That was great. Uh Des Lynham <laughs> was great. Go if you don't know who he is, check it, check out his Tash. Um <laughs> Second Desmond Tutu, Um, (laughs) 36%, um, apt for Easter, given the religious connection. In third place came the Newcastle result, which is terrible news for BT Sports' Des Kelly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He somehow managed to finish behind the Newcastle result on 6%. So,
0: if you're having a bad evening...
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs)
0: Spare a thought for old Desi.
2: uh, And I also, bit of live news, I also tweeted while we were uh, recording this pod saying that we were recording and finding it not especially enjoyable. Um, Saeed Hussein has replied saying, Can't blame you guys, it's the usual bitching about the squad, the manager, etc. Good news, Saeed. If you've been listening this far, You don't need to listen any further. (laughs) (laughs) We've
0: been trying to put this moment off, don't we? We tried to do it a bit different on this podcast. We tried to bring a bit of cheer. Uh, Substance and satire is what we tend to go for. We've been kind of delaying this rant for as long as possible. And I think, in fairness to Ashley... He'd been doing his best to keep it at bay. He takes one week off and the floodgates are fucking open, mate. The gloves have come off. I want Jose gone in the fucking summer. He can have his League Cup final and he can fuck off. I want high recruitment in the summer, big turnover, jobs are good and it has been a just despite mate. being a quite a joyless season, hasn't it? It's not just out for Spurs, but it just football in general and uh, wider life has been pretty terrible, but we have had some better news that we're going to have 8,000 fans at the League Cup final, which uh, I'm not sure will any of our fans want to go, but you know, the opportunity is there.
2: (laughs) It's great, isn't it? It's just just kind of another sign that life's kind of slowly creeping back to normal, and I think it's also a really nice thing that some of the tickets are going to go to um, Spurs fans, some of the Tickets are going to go to city fans. I suspect the people of Stockport are going to be busy. And, <laughs> uh, and some of them are going to go to, to kind of local communities as well, which is, is good for, for the people of Brent, I suppose, that might um, that live around Wembley and might get the chance to see a bit of football for the first time in a year. So
1: the, the best thing, though, lads, is that ultimately, as we, we, you know, we recorded uh, Third Eye pod a, a few days ago, um, there's an international tournament to look forward to there's going to be barbecues. There'll be an England squad, which will be hotly debated and much (laughs) criticised. There's a lot of fun to come our way. So at least we've got that lovely big distraction hoving into into view.
0: Come on, lads. Let's have a rousing, you know, arm round the shoulder. Let's get you another beer, pal. We're on the up.
2: (laughs) It's the the second coming.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) How apt for the time of year. And a great plug uh, for Third Eye as well. If you... um, you may have noticed, but Jules dropped it in there. Uh, that's our little spin-off where we're talking about football things in general because we're all a bit fucking tired of talking about Spurs, quite frankly, uh, as you may have noticed from your minutes up till now. Um, so go and check that out. It's on the Cock and Ball um, podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts. So... Uh, have a look for that. It's a breath of uh, fresh air compared to what we usually spout out. Uh, anyway, speaking of looking forward, we've got uh, United uh, at the weekend. They can uh, get some sweet, sweet revenge for that, uh, that 6-1 result at Old Trafford earlier in the season, uh, which we sort of mentioned a little while ago. Um, none of us here think we're going
1: to win, do we, Charles? <laughs> I, I think we're all just deciding by what margin of loss it's gonna be, aren't we? Like we're all just figuring out is it two, three, or four. I'm gonna go for three because I think that professional footballers take beatings very personally. So they will be sharpening their studs and I'm gonna say a, a, a three nil loss.
0: I mean you're insufferable when it comes to monopoly. I mean normally you, you manipulate the rules in a way that you acquire more more than others, but
1: no comment. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Prisma> point.
1: <laughs>
2: Spoken like a true capitalist <laughs> and a sore sore loser. Jim, what do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I broadly agree with what Jules said. Really, I, I think United have kind of been impressive without being impressive this season. Despite that six-one, uh, in in a way, that was probably quite useful for them. It's probably the kick up they asked they needed to get a grip. Spurs um, are quite good at that. Yeah, <laughs> playing other teams into form. Um, they seem to have that blend of star players like the likes of Fernandez. They've got the defensive solidity from players that aren't especially flashy, but but do a job. You, you kind of look at the way that Luke Shaw's career has been revived since Jose Mourinho departed United. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think, are a different side to the one that was drubbed earlier in the season. I do think Spurs will score, but I. Also, just think United have that bit more quality and, and probably a, more of a sense of actually wanting to, to go out and win, frankly. Um, mm. I, I suspect the United camp is a whole lot happier than the Spurs camp at the moment. So I would say uh, 3-1, I think, to United.
0: Yeah, don't disagree with that. And you look at their last result and going a goal down against Brighton, Jim's favourite team. Uh, And you you were thinking, well, actually, Brighton could do this. They they did look lively in fairness. So give Brighton some credit, uh, despite Jim's uh, opinions on possession football um, (laughs) or needless possession. But in fairness to United, they turned it around and sometimes they've lacked that at home this season. Uh, So they've clearly got a very good uh, spirit going on there at the moment. To me, this game could go one of two ways. It's either going to be a 4-1 embarrassment uh, at our expense, or it could be a weird nil-nil. Sometimes uh, United can be a bit more reserved, and they can look to hurt people more on the counter. Um, But it's going to be hard to counter against Spurs because we don't want the ball. So (laughs) it could just be another case of 11 sets of men staring at each other. So it could be a nil-nil. you know what I mean? We could cancel each other out to some extent. It could be a, a bit of a boring affair, but I'm not so sure. I just
1: They, they have uh, England's national team problem in a microcosm, which is they can play nice attacking players off a centre-forward, but there seems to be an inability to, to break down teams who sit deep because they don't have very good deeper midfielders. They They lack that attacking cohesion.
0: Maybe we'll sit deep again. Maybe we'll resurrect that.
1: No. <laughs> just in time for
0: Easter I'm sorry for the bleakness that this episode has become but it's just what Tottenham do to you I, I mean I think I'm, I'm all in favour of more international breaks eh? we, we all agree just bring back international football full time and we don't have to talk about Tottenham that would be nice wouldn't it
2: agree oh, amen
0: <laughs> <laughs> well as always thank you very much for putting up with us uh, tonight let's hope Spurs turn things around and we can have a, a bit more of a positive outlook when you see us next time